0: My name's Richard. I'll be your host for December Jingle 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 The holidays are coming. No we're not doing that. That's not that's not good. That's not good. Anyway, anyway, um I'm not sitting in the living room tonight. I'm not sitting in the lounge tonight. I'm not even standing in my kitchen. I'm uh, I'm kind of in a kind of a side room and that's because I'm getting joined by Dustin Culbertson from Side Room Games, and that's like the worst connection ever. But we're just gonna run with it because we don't care. I think it's
1: I think it's, it's fine. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> gonna notice, you know.
0: It's all good. Um, thank you very very much for coming on. Well, thanks for having me, Richard. Appreciate it. Um, it's uh, you. You kind of emailed us a little while ago to say because I put a call out on Twitter. I said, look, if anybody wants to come on the show, drop us an email and we shall arrange to have you on the show. So you dropped an email, and here we are. So it just goes to show. <laughs> I'm always worried a bit, like, I feel like I'm not, I'm not going to email them. I don't want to email them. I've listened to the show, and I'm definitely not going to email them after listening to the show, no, so it's, it's nice I'm to a have bi- you.
1: I'm, a, bi- I'm a, f- a fan of the show, oh. so I was like, well, sure, I'd love to get on Thank there. Thank you very much. Thank you
0: very much. Um, we should say hello to everybody who is out there. Um, the reason that we do this is quite simply because... Um if you like doing something you might as well do it. You know, that's one of the good reasons for doing it. The second reason is that Dustin has got a Kickstarter coming out, but not until twenty nineteen, not until into into February. Um but basically um earlier on this year he su- well, rather successfully funded <laughs> a Kickstarter game called Black Sonata um so we're going to talk about his new game we're going to talk about his old game um we're also going to talk an awful lot about about him so we're going to have a i guess a little bit of a a peek back um into the into ye olde english of the past (laughs) before (laughs) before this is your life (laughs) before we stare at the (laughs) at the midsummer night's dream of the present before we disappear off into the I guess into the side room of the future I, I didn't know where that was going I've, I've no, <laughs> no idea whatsoever um, Do you want to tell us a little bit um, I guess a little bit about your history with the hobby
1: Yeah, sure Yeah, yeah, um, like most people I think you know, I've been playing games my whole life uh, Mostly actually when I was a kid we played a lot of card games, so like cribbage hearts uh, we, Our favourite actually was pitch, we'd play that until the you know the wee hours of the night on the weekends with my dad and my sister and my stepmom, and so um, when I got a little bit older, when I was, uh, I had some friends who introduced me to Settlers of Catan, and the first time I played it, it was the Cities and Knights variant, and so that's kind of how I learned that one, and that kind of opened me up to the hobby games. In fact, it was funny, I like, I think I'd played that one probably two or three times, and mm-hmm. I played, like, the vanilla Settlers of Catan, and I'm like, this game's really boring, like, <laughs> why, where's all the fun stuff that you <laughs> add to it? <laughs> um, but I still have Cities and Nights, we still break it out, that's one of my wife's still her one of her favorites, all right. um, but yeah, that was kind of the gateway, and then I had a good friend who we we played that game a couple times, and then he picked up um, Chaos in the Old World because he's a big Warhammer wow. guy back when he was younger. So we played that one, and then I think the next one we got was like Galaxy Trucker, and then from them it just kind of you know just fell off the table, and we just started going bonkers. And then we've been playing mini games, and we did role playing games for a while, and but mostly this you know came back to tabletop games consistently. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chaos of the Old World is out of print
0: now. So
1: Yeah, I was actually telling I was telling my buddy like I'm like, Dude, you should probably check eBay because you might be able to get like four or five hundred bucks for that one, you never know. So but you still got that <laughs> you one. You
0: can't sell something like that. You can't can. yeah. I mean it would be, <laughs> I know, I mean there's the two sides there there is the kind of the I guess there is that kind of mercenary side to, side to people a eh? you look over your collection, you go like, Oh well I've got advanced space Crusade. so you know, and I've got a twenty fourteen Version of Space Hulk, um, and I was like, oh nice, you know, and I was like, well, do I maybe consider, but there's a lot of history behind it, and then it's like I'm not only giving away the game, I'm also for money, but I'm also maybe giving away some memories as well, you know. And When, yeah. you, when you reach my age, Dustin, I mean, sometimes your memories are all you've got, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do you just give, a, give a, I, I don't know. Sometimes I just go through it and just go. I'm going to get rid of the entire lot. And I'm gonna sell it for whatever. And then times it's like I can't get rid of this because this was like um this was like the thirteenth game that I, I got through um got in thirteens <laughs> I know it's unlucky, but if I get rid of it then something terrible terrible will kinda of Exactly
1: yes. your your karma will tank Exactly And then, you'll be in and trouble. then anything yeah. I'll get hit by a cat.
0: You know, <laughs> anything anything that could happen. So did you um did you do the normal route did you kind of start off playing and then did you drift away
1: from the hobby or
0: have you kind of kind of steadily kind of kept going
1: it's been pretty consistent i mean kind of once i once i played settlers and we kind of got into it we've been pretty consistent in it um our game nights are not as frequent as obviously we'd like with uh, you know i have kids and um, mike one of our other guys in side rooms expecting his first kid here pretty soon but uh, we still try to get together at least, you know, once a month, if not that, if not more. Mm. And then the good thing is, is that both Mike and I work in the same area, and then one of our friends, who's part of the company um alan he actually works pretty close to us so All usually right. he'll come and we'll you know usually at least once a week if not more than that at lunch they'll come over and we'll play games and uh, so we've been playing we actually been playing through gloomhaven we've gotten quite a, few, really? uh, a ways into that one and we've been playing like it we'll have a play at lunch and you know maybe two sessions two lunch breaks we'll oh. be able to finish the session and so we've been marching along through that campaign what is it you do uh, I work for the Air Force, actually, so oh. I'm out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, right. and they have an Air Force base here, and I've been, I was active duty Air Force for four years, oh. and then s- basically for the last, what, ten years, I've been a civilian working for them. Um, yeah, so I work in their research lab. I've been doing modeling, simulation, and analysis for a long time, so I've been just kind of doing that here for them for, like I said, I think the last at least twelve years I've been doing that, so. Uh,
0: that sounds very, very technical, and it also sounds like... You might have Matthew Broderick from War Games, technically <laughs> hacking, yeah, hacking your network. That's kind
1: of pretty thing. much it. It's it's pretty entertaining because uh, we do a lot of yeah, like basically like a lot of war gaming and stuff like that. And so we actually look at some basically we're in the research lab for the Air Force, and so we look at future concepts uh, that they might potentially want to develop, you know, systems. All right. And so we look at them, and, you know, evaluate how useful they would end up being, you know, for uh, compared to other things we have. So it's pretty interesting. They get some pretty that's cool be, stuff going cool. on. Do you I mean
0: I'll try not to put on the squeaky voice. Do you do you ever do <laughs> do you ever have you ever tried helium? Um <laughs> Does that mean that in terms of the kind of the game design side of things, do you see the kind of the two ever kinda of cross ever kind of to cross over? I'm not saying like, you know, it's like, okay, well, we could put some miniature drones here. Yeah, but we could bring in an orc. I think that would be <laughs> orc Well, it's actually wings. funny, like
1: Yeah, I think <laughs> you know since we haven't really designed any games we've just been picking up other people's designs mm-hmm. but i think the big benefit is you know most of my time especially like here recently has been mostly like project management and program management mm-hmm. so the experience of like hey this is how you run projects and how you maintain schedules and track progress and stuff like that i'm like oh i can actually use those skills for something that's more entertaining so i can use it for the board game <laughs> side and so that's actually been pretty helpful <laughs> does that mean that you're a master of excel spreadsheets then uh, I, I know my way around a spreadsheet or two. I, I'll just leave it like that, yeah. So, the bet and the PowerPoint. PowerPoint, I think, is my... Uh, I'm a PowerPoint ranger. I joke with uh, people that I'm a Microsoft Office engineer, which I don't think is a real thing, but it feels good. Is that
0: what you've got in your resume? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can
1: put together a little badge. Here's my enable badge I got made. <laughs> it's like, yep, yep, hang on, I let's can, go your name. I can do Word. <laughs> yeah, picking up, picking up a publisher and access. It's going great. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But that does afford you the time where you guys you can sit down with people and actually play play on a regular basis, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's what, actually because um, part of once we first started the game company, we did a design contest on Board Game Geek mm-hmm. for a fifty-four card game, and we're actually going to rerun it in March. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to kick that one off. Uh, but it was funny, basically every lunch session we had like you know like three or four times a week. Alan and Mike would come over, mm-hmm. and we would play through like all the different design entries. And some were really good, and some weren't as good. But we at least mowed through them all. So um, it was definitely a, a eye opening to like kind of look at like okay, how can you is this game good? Is it publishable? How would you publish it? How would you market it? Yeah. And, like, and it was kind of a an, an experience to kind of, kind of see the development, and see potentials with different types of designs across that ran across the gamut.
0: Is it strange giving feedback? to somebody's passion project. I mean let's look at it this way yeah. Board games or board game design is generally a passion project. I mean people don't yeah. put 80 100 hours and probably 80 to you know $100 a month into something um and then you know, and 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 keep it going and and build it into something. Unless they've kind of got like a lot of lot of heart behind it. I mean, when you were doing the assessing side of things, did you have to be almost? Did you have to be kind of gentle with how you did the feedback? I mean, did different people have different ways they kind of reacted when you were giving them kind of feedback
1: on their designs? Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting. We. um we we basically told everybody we would play every game and then we would kind of judge them and then if they wanted specific feedback on their game to let us know and we'd give them the specific feedback. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think about probably about half of them I think wanted feedback and some of them, you know, it was some of them were pretty tough because it's like, you know, you play the game you're like, yeah, this really isn't great and so you're trying to be like, okay, this was kind of good mm-hmm. and this was kind of good but here were the other reasons why it wasn't, it didn't really catch us. Mm-hmm. And so we try to be as you know, I guess the you know as judicious as possible and as nice as possible but kind of give clear like okay if you're going to keep working on this design mm-hmm. here's probably what you should focus on um and we tried to deal with all of them there were a few of them were just like yeah i don't know what's really going on here but it's not a game but thanks for entering it in the contest <laughs> so you, you kind of run into some of those and you do your best uh, to give them at least some constructive feedback but uh, but no like i said it was interesting like um I've had a lot of experience in, like, sort of, like, the work level, doing, like, feedback for people as far as their performance. And so, again, kind of utilizing those skills, I learned somewhere else to try to be as nice and constructive as possible without, you know, breaking somebody's heart.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, mean, was that what, what was behind Side Room Games? Was it all about kind of publishing other people's work as opposed to creating stuff yourself then?
1: Yeah, so when I first kind of thought about doing this, I had a couple designs I was tinkering with, mm-hmm. and you know, dove deep into it and read all of you know uh, Jamie Stegmeier's blog posts and started researching manufacturers and all this stuff, thinking I was going to publish my own games. Yeah. And then we started playing, and we started playing my designs, and I realized I'm not that good of a game designer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh wow, this game's not great. All right, never mind. Um, but I just I love the like I said I love the sort of project and business sort of thought yeah. process and, and and that portion of it, and so. Um, that's when I kind of approached the, my buddies and I was like, why don't we just find good games? And so we decided to run a contest. Yeah. And then as I kind of got to know the design uh, crew that's on the Board Game Geek forums, um, just saw some great designs and it's like, wow, like these games really should be published. Like I, like with Black Sana, for instance, I'm like, "There's I, I don't understand how this game can't be signed by somebody. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, okay, let's try to get with John and figure out if we can make it happen.
0: So did that take you in the direction of Kickstarter then? I mean, I mean, I take it if you're, if you're going to be publishing games, I take it the route for you just saying, right, okay, we'll take the design and we'll just go and get a 1,000 printed and we'll see how it goes. Is that is that just a non-starter? I mean, you obviously, unless you've got, you know, oh, I've got a spare $10,000 sitting about
1: kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. I, th- I think that's the thing now, like yeah. especially for new in indie publishers, I just don't see how you do it without Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, I know that a few of the ones have popped up, like Renegade, has done pretty good about, you know, actually kind of going quickly from small to big, large scale. Um, But, yeah, to to me right now, it's like Kickstarter is, you know, for for good and bad as it is, it's pretty much become the path to be able to publish games unless you're, like, one of the big boys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And even some of the big boys are going to that path or still go to that path, so... Mm Uh, but yeah, we had always always along we're thinking, you know, okay, let's try Kickstarter because we you know we back Kickstarters, you know, even before we even thought about having side room games and so we realised that there was definitely potential and that's kinda of where the market is right now. Mm. And so that's kind of where we decided to go through.
0: Do you do you back a lot on Kickstarter then? I mean obviously well, you mentioned like gluehaven, but you know, have you have you got like a, a kind of a hidden cupboard that you keep all your
1: <laughs> Yeah, I, I <laughs> I usually either usually either go super big or I like back like the smaller projects. So like I think the last two projects that I backed, one was like a small card game that just closed out, like Fallen Treasures, I think is what it's called Uh for I think it was like twelve bucks. And I was like, ah, it might be one the kids would like. And then the previous one before that was I went and late pledged for like the eclipse Oh, uh please. new edition yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Which with, with everything, so it was like, you know, hundred and sixty bucks or something like that. And I was like, Well that's my Christmas gift for myself. Yay <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just being I'm just being incredibly generous. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. so nice. I, I feel like I deserve this year. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've worked incredibly hard and I
1: deserve some kind of reward for my all my hard work. Exactly. Exactly. I, I sent I sent a message to the wife and I'm like, Hey, can I get this for my Christmas gift? And she's like, What is it? And I sent her the link and then like five minutes ago I'm like, Guess what you got me for Christmas? <laughs> she's like, Wait a minute.
0: So how many um how many how many days did you sleep in the car then after
1: that? Uh luckily not too bad because she's also notorious about, you know, like I'll, pretty much every day like there's some amazon package ah, that comes right. in and i'm like what's that and she's like oh it's for me don't worry about it i'm like okay <laughs> it's like a it's okay i've bought another cardboard box <laughs> yeah exactly it's just full of it's just full that's of just that's packing.
0: That's i bought um yeah i bought lots and lots and lots of lots of um brown paper and small, <laughs> ignore the ignore the ignore the really really small silver shaped box in there that's got some kind so. of it's come from Paris kind of thing from it. Yeah, yeah, those,
1: yeah don't worry about that.
0: One. Those are always the those are always the scary ones. But I mean, at the moment there is. I must admit, um, um we had to. Uh, there was like the buzzer at work went about five times today with various kind of Amazon packages arriving in the office to which the. <laughs> the boss is looking at everybody and just saying, oh "It's Christmas time." It's like, "Yes, it is. It's yes, it is definitely is. It's just like, "Well, why? Why are you not buying stuff for your family?" It's like, um, "Because it's Christmas time." That's why. <laughs> and exactly. we're, treat- we're absolutely, we're absolutely kind of treating ourselves. Um, Black Sonata, when that came around, how, what kind of form? When, I mean, when when it appeared to you, was it already fully formed? I mean, was it a fully made up? kind of ready to go game yeah
1: yeah so i think it was it was a con in an entry in the 2017 solo design contest on board game geek and it was the big winner like it won pretty much every award that it was entered in yeah. kind of by a landslide and so i had heard about it you know and saw like the you know they have like usually you'll do a thread like a work in progress thread on the design forums and it had just so many different you know comments and and i was like man this has to be something special and so got it and did the print and play and printed it out on the on the computer and cut it up and played it. Mm-hmm. And it just blew my mind. I'm like I've never seen a game like this at all. Like the mechanic of basically doing a hidden movement game that's a solo game just blew my mind. And then the whole mechanic of using the keyhole cards to look like peer through the keyhole to see if you see the silhouette of the dark lady yeah, and if you found her Um, just, just some super unique things. And then like the logical kind of puzzle deduction to figure out who she is based on the symbols you get from other people. It just, the combination, I just never seen anything like it. So I'm like, okay, this is amazing. Like this game is done. It's polished. And, you know, really for the Kickstarter, we didn't make any changes. The only thing we had done is that, um, John had some ideas about how to add another dark lady card Mm -hmm. to the whole, to, to the gamut and so he was able to figure out sort of how to finalize that, and so we were able to add that in for the Kickstarter and playtested it a few times, and everything was still fully functional, and so um, that was the only minor change we made between when I first saw the game and what's going to get published.
0: Yeah, I mean, because it went on to do, like... um, I mean, Rado kind of loved it. Um, Yeah. I guess because he didn't have to get kind of gen (laughs) involved. He said he could just play (laughs) He could just kind of, like, play it himself, which I'm sure he would have been... He would have been happy? You know, would have been happy about? But I mean, it went on. I mean, it only had like a budget of what about five thousand dollars or something like that, and it went on to do like ninety one thousand dollars. I mean, yeah. As a first, I mean, as a first time kind of creator, was
1: that just? I mean, did that kind of not kind of blow your mind at the time? Were you kind of like? Oh, it was it was incredibly overwhelming. Like it was mm-hmm. funny. Like we. I I had assumed, based on sort of the feedback, and because we, got, we were able to get it in front of Rado, mm-hmm. and the guys on the Secret Ball podcast mentioned it, I kind of assumed we would fund, and I figured maybe we'd get to, you know, in the, you know, 20k, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 20k range. And that first day, we went through all the stretch goals we had that were up to, like, 16,000, I think. And so then it was just a mad scramble. It's like, um, okay, what do we do now? And so I was, like, frantically emailing the manufacturer, I'm like, what if we did this, and what if we did that? And then... <laughs> It took multiple days to get the quote back and so like the first the next couple stretch goals we hit and we had no idea what they were going to be we just knew we were going to go through them and so yeah. yeah it was it was crazy how how much and and how much interest there was in the game and that I think it just it shows you know obviously the, the how great of a design it is but I also think it shows like you know most most of these campaigns you see it's almost like they're focused on a normal game and then they add a solo variant and that helps get them some audience. Ours is yeah, just yeah, solo. Yeah. Like, this is this is a game you can play it with somebody as a team, but really, it's just it's a game for one person. Um, that audience is there, and it's pretty strong. And if you design the right type of game and you and you get it out there, it's going to be successful. So,
0: did you do a lot of marketing beforehand? Then I mean, this is what I mean. People talk. I mean, I wrote an article myself recently about creating noise on Kickstarter. I mean, did you specifically go out and kind of were building as much? of a kind of a marketing database as much of a kind of a community before you even kind of brought Black Sonata to the to fund?
1: Yeah, well, so our idea was, it already kind of had a built-in audience from the contest and from the board game, you know, kind of crew. And so what we did was we, we were like, okay, let's go after the solo game Market and so we got on, you know, got more involved in the solo game um, group on Facebook, which is a pretty big group. I think it has like last time I saw, like maybe twelve thousand people or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we were, you know, and people started hyping it there. And then we also um, there's also a print and play group, and so we hyped it up there. And you know, most of those people might not have backed it, but at least we got the got the word out, got people understanding the game's coming. Yeah. And you know, we from the beginning we were very adamant that any game we produce, we will have free print and play that will be available, both during and then the final version that we actually produce will actually have that print and play available for everybody for free. Mm -hmm. And so being able to help kind of foster that audience as well. And then the biggest thing I wanted to do on top of that was to get in front of reviewers, because, you know, each reviewer has their own audience. You know, some audiences overlap, but so we went out and tried to find, you know, who does reviews for solo games? Who does small box game reviews? And like I said, between all the different other reviewers, we were able to get a hold of as well as Rado. Um, I think that really helped kind of build the hype and build the audience that was ready to back it, you know, from day one. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Was um, was it difficult to get a hold of Rado? Because I know that he is generally really, really busy. I mean, was it?
1: Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. I think I started the conversation. I sent him a geek mail uh-huh. and uh, said, hey, we have this game, Black Sonata. I told him kind of the basic mechanics. Uh-huh. And he, within like a week or so, he replied back. He said, you know, sounds interesting. You know, send me the rule book and then I'll let you know if I want to do take a look at it. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of weeks went by and he, after I sent it to him and he's like, yeah, I'll do it. I, he didn't want to do a full, you know, uh, I guess it's like full playthrough, but he said yeah. he'd do like a rundown, which is like a new, I think we were on the first ones where he was going to start experimenting with like these shorter videos, like five to 10 minute ones where he kind of does a quick overview of the game yeah. and gives his thoughts. And so, yeah, we're like, hey, whatever you do, man, it would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so um, it wasn't actually, I, I, I thought it was going to be a little more challenging than it was, but it actually was pretty straightforward. I think the game just kinda of caught his eye enough that he was interested and, and kinda of got back to us fairly quickly.
0: Yeah, I mean it's um it's a strange concept. I mean look at it and it's like it's a solo it's a solo hidden movement game and I'm like uh, I, my no no my brain's yeah, saying no. Exactly. My brain's saying no. What do you do? Is it a hit? Do you yeah. get
1: somebody else to hide it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well and that's that's what's funny, is that it's that and it's also it's it's deduction and it's replayable and you're like but those those don't mix. None of that mixes. That doesn't make no sense. Exactly. <laughs>
0: there's there's nothing in my there's nothing in my brain at the moment that's saying this. You know, this is this means anything at all apart from absolute kind of dominating confusion. I'll I'll be completely yeah. honest with you at the moment. But as we said, it went on to kind of storm, storm Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. It. it I, I mean, going back to the stretch goals, did you did you feel it was a requirement? to fill up the kind of the stretch goal meter. Was there a point where you said, look, look, we just we can't actually do anything more without kind of stopping kind of adding value to the, kind of the process?
1: Yeah, for sure, and, and you know this game was specifically, you know, it was designed in sort of a tight format, so like we weren't going to be able to add a bunch of new cards or new paths or new boards, and so it's like, okay what can we do to improve the product as far as, like, the quality of the components. That was our number one thing. It's like, we're not going to do anything else yeah. other than, you know, improve improve the box, improve the insert, mm-hmm. you know, make tuck boxes for the cards. We came up with some ideas late. But then after a while, we kept pondering some other ones here and there. And we're like, you know what? We really like it the way it's at. We think it's going to be exactly what we thought we would, you know, we wanted it to be, so let's just leave it there. And so I think we might have had, I think the last stretch goal might have been around maybe – 60,000 or something like that and then we're just like hey that's the last one so if you want to back it great we appreciate it and so but it worked out pretty good i think we yeah, our manufacturer bang we has been really just super awesome to work with and they were very helpful as far as you know getting the updated quotes and working with us and explaining how things kind of work so we had a better understanding of what these each one of these meant and how it impacted sort of the overall project do you kind of feel when there's a danger
0: if you run a successful kickstarter to end up overproducing the game to kind of oh yeah for sure to kind of get to yeah. the point where you kind of like i've seen i mean i've seen a few i've seen a few games that the game itself the game itself maybe didn't deserve to be as produced as much as the gameplay itself kind of warranted it and it ends up ultimately kind of coating itself in a kind of like a candy goodness you end up actually, you're missing the kind of the central peanut, which was the bit you were after in the first place. You kind of get to, and you're looking at like <laughs> a bit. This maybe isn't tasting as nice as a as I thought as thought. I thought it kind of was. Yeah,
1: no, yeah, for, for sure. And actually, um, one of the ones that I, I kept in the back of my mind was I think Jamie Stegmeier, one of his, he mentioned that I think it was for Viticulture, and it was like his first Kickstarter, and he had like the final stretch goal was going to be metal coins. And he luckily they missed it, and he basically did the math afterwards. And un- now that he knows like how much weight that would add to the box, yeah. how much shipping would increase, yeah. he basically I think he says that he they would have lost a bunch of money, and he not, he's not sure if Stonemaier Games have been around anymore. And so I think it's you have to be super careful. And um, when we originally planned the game, actually one thing that didn't really hurt us a ton, but it, it's going to make a, a, a minor difference is. We had assumed that the game would be under a pound, um, and you know, for and sh- sure enough, this the final version is going to be slightly over a pound, which for US shipping means a couple extra bucks as far as going to priority service. But it's something we didn't really plan on because our prototype was pretty light. But then when you add wood and you add thicker cardstock and thicker cardboard, it adds up, and so then now we'll have to be more aware of that going forward as when we start kind of planning out. Okay, what's the base price? What's the shipping? Things like yeah,
0: that. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, um, Dinosaur Island, I know. When that came through, the deluxe version came with a whole set of um, coins instead, and it added so much to the weight. It was yeah. almost like a it was almost like a health hazard. Um, and I always mm. tell this tell the story <laughs> about saying, saying to people here have a uh, have a shot of this box and, and and tell me how heavy it is. And they would reach out with one hand, and you'd say, No, 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 you you can't take it with one hand. It's like just give me the box. <laughs> and you'd see them go. Doof. Are you okay there? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Do you want to do you help up exactly? Do you, exactly. <laughs> do you need help up after being through the floor kind of thing? So yeah, I yeah. can understand. But I mean, again, it's like um, when you do your calculations at the beginning. I guess you're calculating for certain weights. You calculate for your dimensions. Um, you forget that you know adding kind of like I guess an extra, you know, twenty grams or fifty grams into a box if you if you're all of a sudden doing kind of like 5000 copies of a game you know that can that can mm-hmm. add up into kind of some some kind of um some kind of serious serious kind of tonnage um yeah then i mean obviously as we said you you're a ticket you're in the where are you in the process now with kind of black so in actually, terms of yeah that?
1: so they are they're finishing manufacturing this week actually and so the um, we got a uh, company in china who's going to pick up a portion of the games and do the shipping to asia mm-hmm. and they're going to send some games to australia for sort of local distribution and then the other games about i think maybe from the rest of them about third are going to go to germany to go out to the european union and then yeah. the rest are going to come to the united states for united states and canada okay and we're actually going to do those ourselves uh out of our house we um my wife luckily she she has an online business where she sells clothing, and so she has like all the whole setup to do shipping ah, for right. the clothing. And so we're just going to leverage everything she has, and so it's just going to be a long, you know, weekend where we all the guys come over and we get beer and pizza, and we just start putting putting games in bat and uh, padded mailers and slapping labels on them. So.
0: Does she know about that yet? Or are you still going to tell her?
1: She does. I don't. At first, when I told her, she was like, "Oh, yeah, that's fine." And then, as the Kickstarter campaign progressed, she was super <laughs> excited, and then yeah. when I, I had to remind her, I'm like. You know, you do realize we're going to have to mail out like fifteen hundred packages, and she's like, "Oh yeah, okay." <laughs> be- like, make sure you have plenty of labels. Oh, wow. Make sure your your printer still is working. I know you're going to need a bigger boat. Um- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I, I mean, you're mentioning kind of Australia and, and and obviously the Europe, which is obviously not surprising. But I mean, was there kind of unusual geographical places where? where people are getting their packages sent to?
1: Uh, no, actually, our, our breakout was fairly straightforward. I mean, there was, you know, Australia, New Zealand, had some decent amount, and then, you know, the standard European countries like England, uh, Spain, Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't do a whole lot in Asia, but a decent amount. And I mean, the bulk, obviously, was the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few randoms here and there, but um, luckily the company out of China basically has a pretty pretty standard rate for almost anywhere in the world. All right. So. Um, yeah, and they 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 were more than happy to help us out and take some of those extra ones that uh, you know random South American one, random African one here there. Uh-huh. Um, I think there was one in on the Cayman Islands, which I thought was kind of interesting, but that was probably the most uh, exotic one that I remember. Cool. So if you, um,
0: I mean, did you get a uh, ticket? You would have got like product kind of samples. So if you actually held in your hands kind of like a final production copy and actually been able to play kind of like a final production copy.
1: Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, part of the process was once we got all the files to them and they got some clarification and, you know, we had a few minor adjustments here and there, like the, on the board, you know, the graphic and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, they, they did a production proof and sent it to us mm-hmm. and then we had, we got it back and we actually found a couple things we wanted to adjust. Um, we had done some things to the files where the coloring on the rule books was a little off and it was basically had to do with like a transparency that we had put on to kind of like, Flatten the background. We kind of flattened it too much, and then when we printed it, it looked a little off. And so, we went and adjusted the files, and then sent them back the final copies. Um, but yeah, no, that was it was cool to kind of actually see the game and see the tokens and see the cards. And they, you know, the hole punches were perfect, just like they said they could hit them really, really tight, uh, you know, tolerances or whatever, and they hit them. And so that was pretty exciting to see that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. Um, then going on to like the newer game. I mean yeah so, was that already decided I mean when you were going to come out with Maki No key, I mean was that uh, right okay
1: yeah that was that was actually a pretty recent development we had I had seen that one because as was, as we had actually asked our our backers like hey what are their you know print and play games would you love to see a production copy of mm-hmm. and overwhelmingly people were like you should print Maquis. you should print Maquis. and so I contacted the designer Jake um and he, you know, he got back to me, he's like, yeah, I might be interested in doing that, but I'd want to kind of see how Black Sonata goes, and so we're like, okay, so we'll keep you up to date on the production and, and, and the process, and then I kind of kept poking him, and um, I think he actually contacted John Keene, uh, the Black Sonata designer, and John gave us, you know, pretty good pretty good praise, yeah. and so uh, we were able to finally convince Jake, it's like, okay, let's, let's make it happen, and so we've been working with him for the last, like, month or two to kind of get the, the contract finalized and details uh, nailed out, and then... There, actually, um, Ilya, I can't remember his last name, was, I guess it's Bar- Baranova or Barasnova or something like mm-hmm. that, um, he had done the the current print and play version that's out there that most people use is his artwork and graphic design, right? and so then we contacted him as well, and we were like, hey, we'd really love to utilize what you've done for this and do a couple things to help improve some of the, you know, make it a little bit nicer, you know, get a nice box, and then he was like, yeah, I'm totally on board, and he wants to do new art for the cards and kind of give a little more detail, and so... They've both been really awesome to work with, but yeah, this was actually a development in the last, for sure, that we knew for sure we were going to do it maybe like two months ago, wow. and b- b- before that, it was all kind of like, maybe, maybe not. We have a couple games that we signed from the contest, mm-hmm. um, the 54 card contest that we had done uh, last year, mm-hmm. and so um, we knew those were probably going to come out next year, but we'll probably move those a little bit later in the year, and then uh, Maki will be the next next one from us. Does that mean you're going to be moving up to kind of a couple of Kickstarter
0: campaigns next year?
1: That's the goal. I think we, we, we know we want to do Maquis. Mm-hmm. We know we want to do at least one, if not both of the 54 card games we designed. And those are probably a lot lower risk. And if, you know, mm-hmm. if we get 100 backers, you know, it'll be still, we'll be able to still make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. John thinks he has a couple expansions that he's been working on for Black Sonata, so we'll probably oh. look maybe later in the year of 2019. Yeah, um, doing a another Kickstarter for his expansions, and then we'll see if there's enough interest for a reprint. We might do it then, or but we should have a, a, a moderate amount of copies after this first print run. We might be able to just add them on, you know, as add-ons that people can do after the, the Kickstarter. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so for people who um, who haven't heard
0: of Mackey. Do you want to give us kind of like a brief overview of the game itself? You know how it plays and yeah, things sure. like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's yeah, it's another solo game. It's another kind of small footprint game. Um, basically, you are uh, resistance fighters for the French Resistance of World War Two, and so the game is basically. You're going along, there's a map on the board, and you're trying to... Each game, you'll have two mission cards that you have to fulfill. And it might be, like, gather intel, or, you know, plant explosives, you know, in a certain... Like, in a factory, or different types of things. And so you're trying to complete objectives to... uh, And gather resources to complete those objectives. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the interesting mechanic of the game is it's a worker placement... But as you place your workers, every time you place a worker, um, the police, the local police will go around and they will go to spots on the map. And if they go to the spot you're on, they can capture you and you lose that worker for the rest of the game. Um, Or they might go to a new location. If they go to that location that you're not on, you can no longer hit that one. So you have to kind of plan out your routes as far as, okay, Mm -hmm. if I go here and the police go to this other location, I need to find a way back, because every worker, if they can't return back to your home base, um, and their paths are blocked on the map by policemen, then you're pretty much going to lose that guy. All right, okay. And so you start, yeah, so you start off with three workers, you can collect a couple more, but if you start to lose them, then you start t- your, you know, your ability to get your missions done are, are significantly hampered. Mm-hmm. And so you have to kind of do some route planning. There's some push-your-luck aspects because, like, I really have to get to that spot, but there's no way I can guarantee the guy's going to get back. So I have to kind of hope that I can, you know, I, I plan accordingly. I can kind of think about where they've been previously to be able to help kind of map that out. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's very interesting. And then the, the last kind of thing is what you can do is you can actually – you can collect and gather weapons and use that to attack the policeman and right. that will allow you to escape and get back to your safe house however every time you do that a policeman the suspicion for your your activities goes up and a policeman is replaced by a soldier and you cannot attack the soldiers the soldiers are much better at you know fighting than you and, and so you cannot get by a soldier so you have to balance the fact of you know can I get by that policeman today but now mm-hmm. there's going to be a soldier later on that I can't get by so uh, so yeah, it's 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 a very interesting kind of balance of gathering resources, you know, route planning, pushing your luck, timing certain moves, um, and it's 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 really fun. It's a good one.
0: I mean, with it being kind of already out there in a print print and play version, was your approach to play testing it was that slightly different than having to go, yeah and that's, to having to kind of kind of convince yeah. people to kind of sit down and do it. I mean, did you did you just go out and say, look, we are Going to be taking this to Kickstarter and looking at kind of publishing a kind of a, a fully produced kind of copy here. Did you? Was it more of a case of well, guys, what would you like to see, or what are the things you would you, you kind of like, or what are the things you kind of don't like that you'd, you'd do about the game?
1: Yeah, I think it was. It's definitely very different, you know. Like if you're coming up with a new design, it's all about you know what what are the play, players like, where they don't like, how do you improve the game? Yeah. This one, like I said, I think this one's been around for five years, if not more. Yeah. Um, as a print and play, and it's been play tested a ton, so we know the game is tight. Um, there's actually a couple fan made mission cards that people utilize now, mm-hmm. at, on top of the ones that Jake designed, and we actually contact those designers and we're like, hey, can we can we use your fan made mission cards? And they were all for it, mm-hmm. and so. I mean I think the good thing is it's it's we're not trying to make this game that we don't know if it's going to be good like the game is good people enjoy the game people think highly of it it's hey would you like to trade your um for the people who have already printed it would you like to trade your printed copy for a production copy and for the people who don't do print and play you know this game this game is solid this is a real legit game that's been around would you like a copy of it to add to your collection and so that's kind of how we're approaching it's like Let's take this game that's good and get it to more people who know it's good. Who? The people who know it's good and the people who didn't even know it existed.
0: Do you think that's going to help with the marketing on the Kickstarter then that you've already kind of got an audience there. And then it'll just I'm be I'm
1: hoping so. Yeah, yeah cuz I think it's very similar to Black Sonata. Black Sonata was it wasn't as uh, old of a print and play, but it was still around and a lot of people had printed it out and played it and it yeah. was like, yeah, this game's great. And so I think it's just one another one of those situations where we could say, you know, hey, this this is a game there's no risk that's going to be bad. Like, it's a really good game. Uh-huh. Do you want to get a copy? And we can get it to you for a, you know, it's still a small box game, so it's not going to break the bank, you know. And for a backer, I think it's important for lower risk. Like, you hate to spend, you know, you're more willing to risk smaller amounts of money on a product you're not sure about. Um, but to know that the product is actually a solid game, Yeah, spending, you know, the, the 20 bucks, the 25 bucks, um, that's like, it's like a no-brainer for people.
0: Yeah, yeah, so. no, I can see that. And I think it's... um I think it's it's difficult for people to. I mean, people will get excited about new ideas on Kickstarter, but I think it's less likely that people get excited about every idea that comes out in Kickstarter. And I think I've seen kind of um, okay ideas <laughs> do very very mm-hmm. well on Kickstarter because of yep. of of kind of marketing. Whereas it's good to see. I mean, is this is this going to be the kind of the model? Are you going to kind of follow? Or are you going to look for? Kind of really kind of well known or well loved, kind of um, games that are in the print and play, and look at kind of taking them into kind of full production. Is that what is that yeah. what you see with kind of like side room games?
1: Yeah, I think that's our at least for the in short term. That's our 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 model. I think we're going to try to go for is that you know there's a lot of games into these contests. Like another game that I remember is um, I think it just finished up a couple months ago called Microbrew. It was a Mint 10 game, mm-hmm. and they did, it was a, it was like the, again, a, con, a game that did really well on the design contest for the Mint 10 contest, I think last year. Yeah. Um, or it might have been earlier this year, I can't remember. And they took it to Kickstarter and they raised over $100,000. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a market here for, you know, cause most of the games you do in these, in these print and plays, they're not in these huge beasts that you're gonna print and play. They're kind of the smaller box games. But they have, they've been through the rigors, you know, uh, play testing. They've got, uh, uh, an audience sort of built in and they have sort of a pedigree that says hey, this this game is it's not some game that nobody's ever played before. Mm-hmm. It's a legit game. We're going to be able to take it to market and take it to production. And so I think that's kind of where we're focusing on right now. We do have a couple designers that we've gotten submissions from and, and talked to a couple local guys as well who have some designs that we're going to start testing out and seeing if we want to um, take those to market as well. But I think for this first year or two, we're really going to focus on, okay, let's find these print and play gems that we can then take to um, kickstarter and get them out to a bigger audience
0: do you feel restricted on the the price you want people to pledge for a copy because it is available through print and pledge you have to take that into consideration it's not necessarily about you know obviously we're going to produce this game for you but you have to be aware that people if they really really wanted to could you know do their own kind of print version on their own stock of cards and stuff like that is that something you have to be conscious of as well
1: yeah, I think so, and I think the good thing is, is that most of the time when you have a print play like these, um, people don't want to print out like you know 150 cards. Yeah, they you know they're willing to maybe print out like 30 or 40 and sleeve those you know cards or do something or maybe make a small board, not like a big you know a, you know, a six fold board. You know, and so I think part of understanding the footprint of the game is important, and then understanding that helps you kind of drive okay how much production can we put into it, and it helps kind of guide the stretch goals. So like for Maquis, for example, you know, we'll probably start off the base game as, you know, standard board, you know, cardboard tokens for the for the major pieces, and then have upgrades to wood because that increases your cost. Um, but be able to have those, those, you know, stretch goals so that, you know, some of the some of the components might be wood to start, but to be able to kind of help deluxify it, um, you need to have that sc- economy of scale, right? So mm-hmm. you got to have you know the cost at five hundred versus the cost at three or four thousand. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think, I think, but I do think you have to take it into account because on these types of situations, it's got to be you know you got to have something in that twenty to thirty dollar range. I think I, I kind of see Kickstarter as either, especially for the newer publishers, I think it's you know you have to either start small or you have to go super big. You have to have this giant beast that has a bunch of minis as yeah. a hundred bucks. Yeah. Or you have a smaller footprint game that's nice in that 20 to 3 dollars range. And those are kind of the two major pots of the Hank success right now. No, so, no that's, think that's it's really interesting. You have to think yeah. about it. No,
0: no. Because uh, yeah. Mark um, Mark Neidlinger, the episode we actually just released the other day, that was what his you know, exact... Uh, you know, that's what their team exact sentiment is. I think it would him and both Tom were talking about um, you had the choice between kind of as you said going for like a minimum a kind of a minimum spend, a kind of like a, a max kind of twenty dollar type game just to kind of get your foot in the door, or you could kinda of go all out like, you know, Vindication or City of Kings or, you know, all these kind of other mm-hmm. huge, massive kind of games from almost like first time kind of first time kind of publishers. Um Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I guess kind of changing components, you have to take into consideration kind of sleeving cards and stuff like that. I mean, it can kind of bring its own, its kind of own kind of, own kind of problems as well. Um, I mean, is there, is there a game out there that you would actually kind of take and I guess kind of give it the, the side room games kind of treatment that you would improve the kind of, what's already out there and you know if you had your chance to kind of do that
1: yeah I mean I think you know kind of taking it from what we've done previously like taking these print and play games and turn them into like real products I think there are some games out there that are like that that I've been kind of you know poking around and trying to find information on as far as things that are like out of print mm-hmm. or that you know kind of maybe got dropped off from certain publishers um, so I've been trying to do as much research as I can there but yeah I think there's you know the Holy Grail, I think everybody and their dog has tried to get is uh, Glory to Rome, and trying to get somebody to get that signed to a contract because of the whole fiasco, I guess, between the designer and the, the publisher at the time. Yeah. But that one's one of those ones that's in limbo. So if I had my 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 wish list for Christmas, would be to find a way to get that signed and be able to put that uh, <laughs> put that back out the market because you know that's that would be able to be successful. Probably
0: but. gonna have to be a couple more Christmases before that kind of. I think exactly, that before yeah. that kind of sees the. Kind of sees the yeah, light of day. I think that would be just, sure. yeah. But imagine if you did. Just oh, yeah. I if you just, did. That would be absolutely...
1: It'd be great, yeah. That would
0: kind of be absolutely...
1: But yeah, I think... Yeah. For us, it's really... It's all about... And the other thing we also want to focus on, too, is, like, getting games from designers who... Don't have published games like some of these guys who have done a lot of designing in their con in like contests on in the forums and kind of done the amateur side and and getting new designers out there and, and showing showcasing some of these uh, you know these guys who haven't had games published before and so that's another one of our focuses and that's, I think it's a good thing for us that we can kind of work off this print and play, um, this print and play audience and the print and play products that are out there and kind of start taking those to the to the broader masses.
0: Are there ones that like are adamant that they're going to self publish? that you've approached them and they've said like no no this is coming to kickstarter next year and i'm gonna absolutely storm it and i kind of don't need your help do you come across kind of that at all
1: yeah actually there, there, it's happened a few times we um there was one game that i actually uh, i won't mention anything specifically but i kind of really wanted to print that one and i contacted the designer mm-hmm. and, um and they were they were kind of on the fence and they were actually designing another game that they actually had plans to bring to Kickstarter next year. But then the second secondary game that was in one of the contests, I was like, Hey, this would actually fit in real well with kind of what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, and they decided, you know what, we're going to wait and see if we can do the, the Kickstarter on our own. So um, I, I can see the advantages and disadvantages of that. Um, you depending on how little well Kickstarter does your profit and you know, your profit margins versus if you do it yourself versus if you just sign a design and take the royalties, there, there's a, there's a balance there and there's usually a tipping point where it's better to do it yourself versus somebody else. But mm-hmm. then you have to worry about building the audience and, and getting all that, you know, the end stuff as far as the manufacturing, the logistics, the fulfillment uh, portions put together. So I can definitely see the balancing act. And I, and I even told the person, I was like, Hey, um, if, if for some reason you change your mind you decide not to go on your own please let us know because we would be more than happy to you know to take it on and and, and just do a you know we'll, we'll publish you you're the designer type contract so but it definitely happens people are you know people love their their babies and their designs and they want to make sure that they have sort of the full creative control but you know that does come with a you know a time and effort cost to be able to make sure you can actually maintain that and get something successful out there
0: no I, I think there's definitely a market for um Kind of publishers which work on Kickstarter, but have an ability to almost facilitate kind of um, unknown publishers kind of getting their game kind of developed. I mean, one Mm -hmm. of the one of the key ones that comes up quite a lot at the moment is um, Alley Cat Games. Mm -hmm. Um, They had a phenomenal um, success really with the um, with the Roll and Write game, the kind of the Welcome to Dinosaur one yeah um, yep. they've i mean at Dice Hospital before and um they're working on a coral game at the moment you know they've they've and they've had um they've had a couple of pocket games pocket sub pocket farmer and a lot of these games they've not they, i mean it's the same situation as you almost i mean they've they've basically taken an idea and they've developed it and they're they're kind of creating a kind of a a production copy and I think the discussion that's being had on Kickstarter at the moment is, um, can somebody with from the beginning still get on there and make their money? You know, do we need our guys like guys like yourself and guys like Alley Cat Games? You know, um, are they going to become more and more important to allow kind of smaller guys who have ideas, have brilliant ideas, have brilliant games with excellent mechanics? But just allow them to actually get on and and, and can can be published to an a, an audience that's sitting and waiting and has an appetite for kind of like a range of games.
1: Yep. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I I, I think I I can't remember who I was reading or listening to, but they had, there was some discussion about is there just too many games coming out right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it it, it kind of goes back to you know. Uh, there's a lot of choices, which can be good, but sometimes people can think that's paralyzing. But to me, at the end of the day, I'd rather have a bunch of different games with a different variety of themes and mechanics that you can yeah. pick and choose. Um, and, and to be able to help, you know, it might make things more challenging for the bigger publishers and they have to kind of rethink their business model. But for the smaller guys who are doing it, um, just to be able to get games out there that people will enjoy, people, people will love. And get some of these designers and, and artists, you know, the, the recognition they deserve is, is is awesome to me. I mean, this is one of those things where you know, pipe dreams of doing this full time would be great, but in reality, I understand that this is sort of we're doing this for fun, we're doing this as a hobby, we're doing this to be able to help you know other people get their stuff out there, um, and just try to be able to facilitate that as best we can.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, yeah, uh, I think um, I think everybody was shook a little bit um by the the CMON news about them losing money (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know I think there was a kind of you're making millions it's like yes but you know the size that you are once you get to our size you know um it's it's very little between kind of potentially kind of losing you know kind of losing money and 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 you know um I don't know I think I don't think I think like uh, Pokemon it's like Pokemon really I think Kickstarter isn't in its final form yeah, I think exactly. you know, I think it I mean it's gone through its kind of its golden age, I think, in the last couple of years. And we've seen some remarkable games coming out, some absolutely fantastic, wonderful, amazing games coming out. And I think it like every kind of platform it goes kinda of through an identity kind of situation where it's sitting there after a you know, after so many years and goes and looks in the mirror and goes, Who am I? Which is why I think you've seen kinda of like the pre order store coming up. Kind of thing, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, yep. um, we're still pushing things like you know the Make a Hundred, which is coming. You know, mm-hmm. which is coming out. You know, again for a year, which seems to be a good, which seems to be a good thing. Like John Gilmore's got, um, he had a campaign on Make a Hundred, so he's you know, he's making a. Sp- I think it's uh, he's making some kind of game for that, um, which oh. is um, I think it's it, it was kickstarted last year, so I think people are waiting for it to be fulfilled. But imagine that. <laughs> One of one hundred games yeah. that John Gilmore's done which seems like kind of uh, seems like kind of uh, kind of fantastic. Um, in terms of um, you, I mean, in terms of like yourselves, I mean, would you? I mean, I know you said oh, I've kind of like you know we're this is the route that we're going down. Would you dust off the little box of delights that you were going to design yourself and actually put it out
1: and catch that <laughs> one day? Yeah, I, of all. Of all the games I have made, there was one that was okay, and I'm sure if I kind of tweaked around with it, it, it would maybe be a little bit better. It was just sort of a um, uh, like a, a word game, yeah. and sort of the mold of like a Scrabble, but I had basically created a game where, um, oh, I can't remember the actual name of the game, but it, instead of laying tiles, you're laying a card that is basically a square card that's like a, a quadraft where it has different letters in each corner, and you're basically laying cards on top of cards sort of like to build words um and so then you're basically had you have a pawn that you're moving around the cards to basically spell out your words and gather points and oh, really? we played it a few times and it worked it worked really well uh-huh. um i just you know at the time it's like well there's not really much of an audience for this one but maybe at one point if we have a uh, a pretty big side room games following maybe i'll publish it under a pseudonym or have like my, my son publish it or something like that and we'll call him the designer and i can have one out there maybe in secret we'll see <laughs> <laughs>
0: you just have to go like I think you just have to stand proud and say This is my game <laughs> this, this is mine, my, this is mine I did this exactly <laughs> this is mine. There are other games like this, but this one is mine um, <laughs> <laughs> um that's cool. um I have a question it's obviously it's 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 Christmas time. You know, whether you like it or not, you know, everybody seems (laughs) to be scared of mentioning the word Christmas. I've no idea. Apparently holidays, we're allowed to say holidays, we're not allowed to say. Anyway, I have a question (laughs) for you, sir. Okay. Yes. Um, You have, and I've already asked this from somebody else this evening, and he just went, you what, mate? Shut up. But um, (laughs) Santa has turned up. Santa's turned up, Dustin. And what he's saying to you is he's saying, he says that you've been very good this year. And he's gonna he's gonna give you a piece of paper, and what you can do is you can write down three board games that you would like. They can be any board games at all, from any era. They can be first editions, second editions. Okay, and what he will do, he will make sure that on Christmas morning, when you go downstairs in your pajamas and you've got your slippers on and you've got bed hair so sticking up at the side you're a little bit sleepy, that under the tree, there's going to be three lovely board games wrapped up in fantastic shiny paper with a little lovely tag on the side. And I just need to know, what what are those three board games going to be that's going to be under the tree? Oof, that's a
1: tough one. I think... Oh, man. I think the Glory to Rome Black Box Edition will be up there. <laughs> okay. Just because... Man, I want that game. And then... I want that game so bad. I was trying to troll and find like some, you know, print and play files that I could just co- cobble together and make it happen like on some paper. So, uh, but yeah, that one's probably up there. Oh man, I would really like. Uh, actually, my my boss turned me on to Twilight Struggle, and so we played that a lot. Oh like, yeah, in our yeah, yeah, break, yeah, so yeah, yeah, Yeah. And so I would love a deluxe version of that. And he actually mentioned it too. Like if you, somebody would make one that's like, you know, all like wooden bits and nice, nice super board that has like the the inlay or where you can drop in your you know your influence tiles in the board and yeah. and super nice uh, deluxified version. That would be that would be one if it had actually existed. Okay. I think maybe the third. I don't know. The third
0: one's a charm. Yeah. I'm trying
1: to think. I think maybe I've heard amazing things about like the War of the Ring. Uh, deluxe edition that came out maybe I don't know, like four or five years ago, something like that. That was yeah, gone and missing. I thought they might have came back with that one. I'm not sure that might one actually might be available. But uh, some some super awesome, you know, deluxe edition where it's one on one, Sauron versus Frodo and, and the buddies. I think that would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. That'd be very very cool indeed. Um, that's fine. I, you
0: know, that'll get. We'll make sure that come Christmas morning they will all be sitting there for you, Dustin.
1: Oh, thank you, I All it. of them will be sitting there for you.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks very much for coming on. If people want to keep an eye on what you're up to on the interweb nets, where do you exist on the interweb nets?
1: Yeah, so we have sideroomgames.com. So mm-hmm. we have our, our site up there. Um, not a whole lot going on there, but we're going to, I think uh, one of our guys, Brett on the team, he's working on the e-commerce back end. So that way when we actually have the black snot and other games in house, you can buy some for there. Um, but we're there and when, then we're also, uh, Facebook It should be side room games uh, on Facebook and then as well as, um, at side room games at Instagram and Twitter. So we're usually all over there. I'm usually posting random, random shots on Instagram of me and the boys playing games that we find, uh, tucked away and cool. Uh, usually one of them super happy and one of them super sad so it's always entertaining
0: Cool, good, good, good what we'll do is we'll make sure that we take all of those links and we'll put them in the show notes so that we have notes to show um, if you want to keep an eye an ear, a nose <laughs> what we're up to um, you know <sighs> it's been a long day um <laughs> Go to the go to the internet webs, go to the Googles, um, search for We're Not Wizards. You will find us on Twitter, We're Not Wizards. You'll find us on Facebook, guess what? We're Not Wizards. You'll find us on Instagram, guess what? We're Not Wizards. You'll find us on um, YouTube, guess what? We're Not Wizards tabletop podcast, eh? Didn't expect that, did you? Um... <laughs> You can go Come to our up. website which is We're not wizards.com, or we are definitely wizards.com apparently goes there too. <laughs> um, you know, thanks Jeremy. <laughs> um you can go to our blog which is We're not where we write stuff about things. Um if you want to listen to us, which you're kinda of doing now, and I never get why I even say this, but uh you can kind of get us on all these little podcast catchers like Stitcher and Spreaker and Acast and then there's Spotify we're on Spotify I have no idea why either That's just one of these magical <laughs> things that happens um, and That's we're impressive. on things like Podknife and Podbean who are fantastic um, podcast hosts um, if you like us even more if you consider going to Apple Podcasts and dropping us a subscription because so, that guarantees you're on the good list I'm just telling you now <laughs> Um, if you like us even more than that consider giving us a rating or a review if you are going to be giving us a rating or review don't give us don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big headed but at the same time do not give us one because it makes me cry give us something like you know a 5 because it's in the middle and it's average and we're just a little bit average but the person who's not been averaged today is rather wonderful rather fantastic mr dustin colbertson uh thank you very much sir for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure
1: well thank you richard i've had a good, good time for sure
0: good. there's only two more things to do the first thing is to remember that we are many things yep certainly been called a few things but we're not wizards <laughs> are we wizards dustin I'm not a wizard? Nah, you didn't sound so sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Dustin. Say goodbye, Dustin. Goodbye, Dustin. Every single time. Do you have a memo <laughs> between you lot that goes out? Remember if you go on the show to say the funny joke at the end? Anyway, and it's a goodbye for me. Remember, uh, stay safe, com and, uh, Maki is coming on February from Side Room Games. So make sure <laughs> oui, you oui. check it. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Yeah. Cause I was like thinking about that and I was thinking, wasn't the Maki the names of the resistance folk in Deep Space Nine as well?
1: It, yes, it was. Yes, it was.
0: of that's probably where it came from, you know, that's weird. maybe that, maybe that's a promo card down the road. Oh my word, can it be? Do you know what I mean? And then you could jump in and just say they've got a phaser gun, so they win <laughs> automatically. Wipe out the enemy. That would be brilliant. But anyway, but I mean, if you want to find out if the promo card is going to exist, you're going to have to come back in February and check out the Kickstarter. Yes. That's that's exactly. the only way this is going to happen. So do that. But until the next time. Goodbye. A wizard is never late.